Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Jay's Recipe for Success. I'm Laurie Salarulo, your host and uh, the proud CEO of Junior Achievement of South Florida. Uh, you know, we started this show so that we could share the stories and the journeys of amazing community and business leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, so that not only our viewers could hear their stories, but also our students uh, who we spend so much time with teaching entrepreneurship, work skills, and financial literacy. You know, this month is National Financial Literacy Month, um, and that is one of our core three pillars. It is so important that we start young to begin to prepare people for economic freedom, economic uh, security, and empower them so to have prosperous futures, right, and be successful. And so we're thrilled to celebrate this month. Uh, and so all of our guests this month are in some way, shape, or form connected to our mission of financial literacy and business. And today is no exception. Our guest this morning is Deborah. I'm going to have to try to say this. Val Vasilop. I'm never going to get this right. Vasilopoulos. Did I get it? I got it. Okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I got it. We're in the family. <laughs> Deborah, you know, I should know this. I have so many Greek friends. Um, Deborah is the uh, market president of Iberia Bank, which is a division of First Horizon Bank and, and involved with uh, private client banking, commercial banking, retail, small business. You have run the gamut across the banking field, Deborah. And so thank you for joining me this morning. It is my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, you know, we have, let's talk just for a minute about financial literacy and, and uh, the bank's role, your role in, in helping to prepare, right, the next generation and also uh, adults as well that I'm sure that you work with in your guiding along the way. You know, you see so much, I'm sure, and you're helping people to manage their wealth. But we have to first start with um, teaching them how to, right, secure wealth, uh, not only right, so so they have to accumulate it and then, of course, manage it. Um, Iberia Bank, as well as First Horizon, has played a role by supporting organizations like JA and financial literacy. Uh, talk a little bit about that commitment. Well, it's a it's a very strong commitment that we have to make certain that we are supporting our community and our community partners. And you know, it's very important to us overall to make sure that all of our associates are involved in some type of organization that is providing a meaningful impact to the community. And many, much of what we do is related to financial literacy. We have volunteers, as you well know, Lori, that will go out and, and share their time and their talent to help individuals understand the basics. Um, and so in addition to what our associates do on a regular basis, I think last year, we, we actually had about 600 hours of community service in just the region that I oversee, which I'm incredibly proud of. And it's really about just touching the community and making sure that we're touching the young children, the adults, the women, the business owners, the minority business owners, and providing them guidance in whatever way we can, whether it's holding classes, whether it's discussing our credit builder program or teach children to save. Um, we're doing anything we can do to help the broader community that we serve. 
Yeah, and we so appreciate it because we know, look at look at the hardship, right, that so many people are facing today. And if we don't prepare them, right, we'll have so many because something else is bound to happen uh, at some point, right? Whether it's a recession or a pandemic, whoever thought it would be a pandemic, but um, our, our economy goes through these kinds of things. And so we want people to be prepared. So thanks for what you're doing. You know, I was reading your bio um, and so prior to Iberia Bank, you were the regional president of Sabadell Bank uh, and Trust. And then before that, uh, a founding member of Lydian Bank and Trust and prior Offit, our Offit Bank, then Wachovia Bank. Talk about, you know, and, and it's so interesting to watch what's happening over the years in the banking industry, right? Uh, banks buying out other banks, merging with banks and all of that. <clears throat> And I think that that is, it takes a special person uh, and, a, and, and the right skill set to make it through all of those changes because every bank has its, or every company has its own culture, right? Talk a little bit about transitioning from one financial institution to another, because I think that's something our young people need to hear, especially today, because nobody stays in a job, right, forever. Yeah, well, I, I will say one of the most important things is to make sure that you maintain a very open mindset and that you're, you embrace change as a positive and not a negative. And I always believe in continuing to walk forward and don't make judgments on things because you may be going through something or a culture may not feel quite like it once was, but you have to believe that you are contributing to that culture that you're getting into. And so anything that you can bring in to create positive change, I think is, is it's a lesson that I have learned um, over the course of my, my long career in banking. Just be open-minded, don't judge, and make sure that you're a contributing member of where you want to head and, and embrace that and look, look at it from a positive perspective as opposed to some people look at change as a negative. And I always looked at it as an opportunity to learn and grow. So that yeah. was... That's for me, that has worked really, really well in my career. And, and I, to this day, I continue to do that. You know, and as a leader, you have so many people, right, that you're influencing and you're uh, empowering and, and inf uh, you know, helping them to, to have that same mindset that you just talked about. Talk a little bit about creating that culture, right? So you go into new cultures, but then you're also responsible for so many people. Um, and so making sure that your people feel that. Well, I will tell you one of the, the best pieces of advice I can give people is to make certain that you do a lot of listening because everybody's coming from a different place. They're motivated differently. So I, in the, in the leadership role that I'm in, I feel like I have to be very chameleon-like and really listen and learn and understand what's driving someone in one direction or the other. And then bringing all of those differences that people may have and perspectives and creating something positive with it. Um, because we recently, you know, as you well know, Lori, Iberia Bank and First Horizon in 2020, decided to merge. The, the wonderful thing about that is our cultures are very much aligned. But there again, there's new team members that you're bringing together. And so making certain that their perspectives are heard, that you understand and get to know them on a personal level, so that you can really help 
form the culture that you want it to be and making certain that they're contributing to that culture. Because I think if people think they're part of something and they're part of a solution, they, they embrace it and they're, and they're very excited about it. So for me, that's, that's what's worked for me well in my, in my career. Yeah, it's almost like bringing together, right, to ma- when you have a marriage and, right, you have blended families, right, in, in these kinds of mergers. So, um, you know, I want to go back for a second. How did you, en- tell us how you ended up in banking. Well, um, I was I was very young when I started back in the 70s, and I was, I was going to school, um, and I had a family member that um, knew somebody that needed a bank teller. Um, at, a, at a, a very small institution in Massachusetts. And I said, well, I'll try it. And, and I actually loved it. So I started as a bank teller back in the 70s. And then from there, grew into various roles. Um, and it was really because I had wonderful people mentoring me and supporting me through any of the changes. And in those days, it was so different. I mean, technology wasn't I mean, technology was not really existent as, uh, as it is today. Um, so it was really just learning the different ropes. And so I had the ability to go from a bank teller to you know, cr- credit, um, to understanding consumer credit, to corporate credit, and then kind of maneuvered my way into private banking and wealth management, and then into management. Um, but all along the way, I had people lifting me up and helping me, and they really took an interest in me. And I had the desire to learn and I was very humble and I didn't, I would take things home with me over the weekend and try to learn and read and study and understand things. So I, I invested in myself, but I had so many people investing in me. And I think it was because of my desire to learn and I wasn't afraid to do anything. I, I, I will roll up my, into this day, uh, in my role as a market president, I am very much a coach player, roll up my sleeve and get my hands dirty and do what needs to be done to serve our clients and our community. Yeah, so important. Yeah, our our teams need to know that we'll whatever we're asking them to do, we're not uh, opposed to doing ourselves, right? Not at <clears> all. So I so agree with that. Um, and mentors are so important. Um, and it's it's interesting, as you said, you know, working your way up uh, is. Do you think banking or how has banking changed? Right. Um, and yes, of course, the technology. I remember the big clunker sitting on my desk when I first got into banking. Um, and then I, you know, eventually transitioned out. But talk a little bit about how the industry has changed. Well, as you said, Lori, technology is playing a, a huge role, not only how we serve our clients, but how we attract clients. So social selling, and I know you know Josh Foles, one of my colleagues. You know, he is heading up the social selling um, initiative for our institution, and it's critically important. Uh, You know, our clients are aging. And so as wealth passes on to the younger generation, you know, we have to continue to be relevant to them. And the way we serve them is going to be very different than the way we may have served their, their mom or their grandparents or what have you. So making sure we're still relevant throughout the generational changes and throughout the passing of wealth is gonna be very important to not only our institution, but all institutions. And focusing on how we do that and being relevant and and not saying we're gonna jump on the technology bandwagon, because if you say that, 
you're way too late. You need to be you need to be on it and adapting and growing and changing uh, to keep up and ahead of ahead of the times because it's going to continue to change over the next several years and it's going to look much different. You know, when I started in banking, you know, it was so so different. We didn't have technology really. There was one Apple computer in a room, and I remember nobody could go in there because you had to be a certain way. And I was lucky enough to get to go in there one day, and I thought I, you know, I thought I was in just like a different in a different world completely. But you know, I, I think for me, um, and and really, not only our clients changing and, and how we address our clients, but even our associates that we're hiring. You know how we manage associates coming into our organization because of the generational differences is also an area that we have to focus on. You know how do we yeah. motivate them? That work loss that's critically important. You know all that's yeah. really really important. <clears throat> I was going to go there next, but before I do, we're going to let that simmer and we're going to take a short break to share a message about financial literacy and our young people. Please welcome tonight's presentation of. What I want to do. When I grow up. When I grow up. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to cry when paying the bills. When I grow up. I don't want to be turned down for a business loan. I don't want to borrow a lot for an education. And then not know what to do with it. When I grow up, I don't want to be paid less. Told I'm underqualified. Or overqualified. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to know how to save for my future find a job I like, and start my own business. When I grow up, I want to know how to provide for my family. And invest in my community and make a difference. When I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, I just want things to be different. At Junior Achievement, we promote economic empowerment through education, but we can't do it alone. So I get the goosebumps every time I watch that. Um, That's amazing. I It is so powerful. That is so amazing. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I, it says and it, it really, Yeah. And, you know, our kids really do to hear them talk sometimes about wanting to change um, and hearing from people like you um, can can really change their lives. Right. We think, oh, if, well, if I talk to kids once, it might not. We just never know when that spark is going to be lit, right? And so we have to continue to, to they're sponges, right? So we have to continue to, to fill that sponge and, and let them take away the bits and pieces that will help them to form the future. But, uh, you know, in, in looking at our young people and you mentioned bringing on new associates, um, I want to talk, talk a little bit about that because it's really interesting. Every single meeting I am in lately, I am hearing from some industry leader, right, across all of them, the workforce challenges that they're having, right, finding skilled people who are finding people who even want to go back to work, right? Um, and so what, what are you seeing in the banking industry? Is that, is that industry um, uh, feeling a workforce challenge, a workforce shortage? Share with us what's going on in banking. Well, you know, there's obviously different roles within the within the company, Lori. And, you know, I would say we are constantly in the recruit mode because you never quite know when somebody's going to say, you know, and especially in the COVID year, I think people, 
you know, they, their priorities may have shifted a little bit. This really, as I'm sure you know, and I know, we felt it ourselves, it's had such a profound impact on people. And they're saying, okay, what do I really want to do with the rest of my life? And working remotely, how has that impacted them? So we're constantly in the recruit mode and at really at every level of our organization today. I would say, you know, we as an organization have such a wonderful reputation and the team members that I work alongside every day also have great reputations. So people are attracted to want to work with people they like and they trust and organizations that they have respect for. So I think that gives us a leg up a little bit from the standpoint of recruiting and getting people interested in joining us. And it's all about what we talked about earlier on. It's about culture and it's about, you know, what does our infrastructure look like to support me to continue to have success and growth in my career? So, you know, one of the things that's really important is when we are onboarding people, you know, we want to make sure that we're creating development plans for people so that they're not stagnant in a role for very long because people will leave the organization then and that's very costly. Um, so we're constantly thinking about how can we enhance, improve, expand, broaden. I try to give back, what was given to me, I try to give back to others by helping them set a development plan for their future and their growth, which you know is, is, is very, very important for the organization especially. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, that's, it's easier to do that. I think when you have a large organization and there's opportunities, you know, for small organizations, right. You don't have that, that depth of levels and positions, right. You don't have the width or the, or the depth. So uh, it's more difficult to create those, those growth plans for people. So I, I sometimes feel bad for the smaller organizations. You mentioned uh, Josh Foles and social selling. Um, and it's really interesting because even in our field, we call, right, we call it fundraising or development. It's sales, no matter how you cut it. We just don't have a product and we don't have a service. We have a mission. Uh, mm -hmm. And in my opinion, of course, you know, uh, uh, one that I am truly passionate about. So I think it's an, a very vital mission in our community. Um, so, how have you shifted, right? It's a mindset shift to social selling. Uh, and I think through this pandemic, there are still people who are struggling to make that transition. How have you, so it sounds like you all have invested by having someone, right? Um, like Josh, who is leading the charge around that. Talk a little bit about how you're using social selling. How is it being received uh, so talk a little bit about how, how that's going. Well, you know, what we what we did, actually, Lori, is Josh created sort of a, a pilot program, and we have several associates going through training with Josh as, as now, currently. And so I will say, based on the feedback that I received from some of my team members that are in the program, they find it to be very helpful. However, they still go back to the old-fashioned way of doing business, too. So they're not fully you know, fully engaged in social selling. There, it's more of a diversifier for them as, as it relates to how they can go to market and, and create sort of their playbook, if you will, to attract new clients or make people aware of things. And I think it's just, for many of them, it's a great way to share information to a wide audience that they might not be, and, and do so in such an efficient manner that it creates opportunities as a result of that. 
Um, and yeah. so then you have some some folks that are just like not into social media whatsoever, and they, they don't embrace it as much. So it, it's it's a process. You know, it truly is a process. Yeah, yeah, and I I really I think I'm starting to see now. I'm having more in person meetings. People are willing to get back out there as they're vaccinated, um, and so I'm I'm you know. It, it's really interesting, the dichotomy of, oh, you know, people say they want to get out and get back to, you know, being around people. When it comes to work, though, it's really interesting. There's this, well, I want to go back to the office because I miss everyone, but I'm not sure I want to do that every day, right? And, and there's the inconveniences, right, of, of going back into the office. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see where we land but I, I would agree with you. I think social selling is great. I think it's amazing for making connections uh, and, as you said, sharing information. But in my opinion, there is nothing like having someone come to JA World and giving them the tour and having them see it. I can't describe it in the same way. Well, and I will. I had the benefit of that, thanks to you, to have the tour. And I... I I loved it. So thank you for that. It was an amazing experience for me. Um, and I, I can't imagine how proud you are for what and, and the mission that you serving. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I mean, as nonprofits, we've had to do a lot of pivoting just like you all uh, have had to do in the for-profit world, right? Still running businesses. And, um, and so it's been an interesting year, uh, but I'm curious, you know, I hear people talk about, oh, this is such a challenging year, challenging year. And I'm kind of like you. I like to look at the positive um, that can come out of that. Talk about some of the, the the opportunities, right, maybe that have come out through COVID for you, for you personally, as well as for the organization. Because I think we want to hear personally about you too, right, from your well, career. I, I, I will tell you, I love to cook. So what I did personally and my husband did for me is buy me some cookbooks. So ah. like instead of going out to eat, we're trying to, and believe me, they're not gourmet by any stretch of the imagination, but they're edible. So that's good. <laughs> and um, I, so that has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I love being with my family. I've always loved that. So it's allowed me more time to do that. And, you know, I don't work from home as much uh, as my colleagues do. I tend to go to the office because I feel our frontline workers have been there throughout and I want to make sure I'm supporting them. Um, but the days I do work from home, it's nice to throw a load of laundry in every now and then and get, get ahead yeah. of the schedule. <laughs> or to have a pair of leggings or shorts on under their right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I do. I love that, too. So you mentioned cooking which is really how this show came about. So at J World, if you remember, we had, we have a catering kitchen. And so when we were thinking about the podcast, um, people, we said, you know, maybe it, it actually, we have the best acoustics in the kitchen. And so that's how recipe for success came out. And, and I'm going to go back to what we've talked about and pull out some of the things that you've mentioned uh, that have been your ingredients. And when I, when I'm done, now that you're cooking more, you know that every recipe has a main ingredient, right? I know. What is that for the Greek? Uh, do you cook Greek? Now, your last name is Greek, so I'm assuming your husband. My husband's Greek, and I do cook Greek thanks to my 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 mother-in-law, Mary, who's no longer with us. She gave me some great old-fashioned recipes. I'm talking church book recipes, you know? 
Good yeah. stuff. But those are good. It's like the Italian grandmother who passes on the recipe book. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to read back some of the ingredients that you talked about um, and that I pulled from our conversation. And then I'll ask you for your main ingredient. Ingredient. First thing we talked about um, and that you shared was about the giving back, right? And how as, a, as an individual, as a team, and as an organization, how important it is to give back. You talked about embracing change um, and how we embrace change, right? Embracing it from a positive perspective versus a negative perspective. Uh, not to judge, right? I love that. Um, and we're quick, I think, sometimes to do that without really um, giving, you know, things a chance. Uh, bring change. Uh, if you don't like the way something is being done or something is, then, you know, try to change it rather than sit by or walk away. Uh, be open-minded to change. Be open-minded to the environment, to the opportunities. Uh, do a lot of listening, I love that. Um, and I think that's a really important one. I love this, um, be a chameleon. Uh, and, and I think you're right. When you're leading so many people, you have to understand what makes each of them tick, right? And so how do you make sure that you understand that? How do you gather that information through listening? Uh, and then making sure that you can help them uh, and adjust how you're dealing with all of them. So I love that one. Communication not only listening, but also communicating, especially through mergers and merging families, as we talked about, right? Everyone needs to know what's going on uh, and they'll feel much more comfortable. So I love that. Mentors, uh, which is something that, you know, for me, of course, is also very special, especially with our Girls Rule program, not only having mentors, but then giving back and being a mentor uh, is also very important. That desire to learn. And I think that's so important. And that is one of the biggest shifts I have seen in our workplace. Uh, we started doing books during the co during this COVID period. And I have just seen this mindset of growth uh, in our team. That's just been uh, a real pleasure to watch. Uh, you Rolling up your sleeves, right? That coach player uh, approach that you use. Uh, be relevant, adjust, adapt to what's coming or what's happening, uh, but making sure that as we serve our constituents, whoever they are, that we are uh, meeting them where they are and, and be meeting them in a relevant way, creating the culture, not only going into the culture, but creating it. And then, of course, supporting others so that they can be successful with the resources, the skills, the education, all of those things that they need. And so amazing, amazing ingredients. Now the question is, what is your, Deborah's main ingredient to success? For me, it's being intentional mm -hmm. from a very good place, not a self-serving place, but as a servant to others. And that is my colleagues, my family, my community, and giving of myself for the right reason. So, mm. and, and that's, that's it. That's amazing. That's a pretty good it. And that's <laughs> a pretty great note to end on. Uh, amazing. And I think you're right. That's servant leadership, right? I know people talk about it, uh, but that is the other part of the culture that we've developed over the last year is, and it's interesting because the books are talking about serving others. And at first the team was like, well, that feels weird, especially for women, right? I think that they interpreted it as being subservient, right? Um, but now it is, 
it's just so rewarding for me to hear the team talk about um, with each other, right? How can I serve you? How can I help you? Um, and and how they just always jump in to help each other be successful. Um, and that's that's what we want, right? Not only for our teams, but for our children and for our community. So Deborah, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It is such a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure when we had the tour. It was a pleasure to get to know you a little bit. Thank you for your support of Junior Achievement in particular, but also of our community at large. Um, love uh, the spirit of your teams. You know, you know, Jenny is on our board and she is so committed uh, to not only JA, but to the community. And uh, so she's, so she's, she's wonderful. I couldn't agree with you more. And I know, you know, Lloyd and our group and yeah. we look forward to continuing to support and um, like you said early on, Lori, the spark, you know, we want to create the positive sparks for folks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're here too. So anything we can do to help. And so thanks again for joining us are always my pleasure, my honor to have you. And for all that will be watching either today or as this uh, get, hits the social media airwaves, thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to check out more episodes of J Recipe for Success, visit our website at jsouthflorida.org. Thanks again, Deborah, and thanks everyone for watching. Have an amazing weekend. Take Thank care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.